This is the Coach Brew Show. This is also the world's shortest podcast intro. We are live on the Coach Brew podcast. Very special guest tonight. You see him, uh, I say tonight, you could be listening to this on your drive into work at eight in the morning. Anyway, we're recording this at night. Uh, it is Monday, May 18th. And today, uh, something very special happened that we're going to dive into momentarily. Um, but I am joined by a friend, a colleague, and uh, he is both literally and figuratively the biggest thing in Texas country music. And when I say that, I mean like his music on the charts and then the fact that he's like built like an NFL defensive end. He's like six, three, six, eight with the hat, 265. Right. Specimen. He is a specimen, oh. folks. So we got Cooper Wade with us. Cooper, say hello to everybody. Great to have you here. What's what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for having me, Coach Brew. I appreciate it. Hey, I even grew a, I even grew a beard in your honor, sir. Man, I love it, dude. I love it. I mean, I'm not gay or anything, but you could turn me. I appreciate that. That's the nicest thing anyone, male or female, or you know any of the 57 <laughs> other genders, has said to me in months. <laughs> So that's 50, thank you. There's only 57 genders today. Man, we well, lost a you few. know, we'll, we'll figure tomorrow my, that number might be different. But um, <laughs> I have you on here for a very specific reason besides your awesomeness, and that is because you got a new video that just came out today. We, do. we have a brand new music video that just came out today, and uh, we're really, really excited about it. It's a great tune, it's a fun, fun video. So Everybody needs to go to our YouTube channel and check it out. Yeah, and uh, before we jump into all of this, I want to encourage everyone to go to cooperwade.com. You can find all of his contact information with all of his social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, his discography, I believe, is the uh, technical term. We're trying to give, you know, like, people make people think we're educated. Well, hey, you know... Um, <laughs> the, the part of Texas that you're in, like this is like highfalutin, uh, highbrow, intelligent people. So I'm in Houston. So, yeah, we've got a mixture of everything. It's not just optics, but go kind to Cooper Wade melting pot. and check out his music. It's awesome. His tour dates are there. And I promise <laughs> you, people, artists will right begin now. touring again soon. Man. We've got shows booked for this month, May 23rd, 24th, 29th, 30th. I'm just praying that they still happen because it's been a long time since we've played. So that, that's as good a starting point as anywhere, my friend. Let's talk a little bit about that, uh, you know, the kind of the Corona Chronicles for uh, an artist. You know, you're a country music artist, and you guys are the ultimate entrepreneurs, I really believe entertainers, musicians are the ultimate entrepreneurs because you bet, and especially uh, a lot of a lot of y'all down in Texas, because you bet on yourselves in a way that others don't. There's no big marketing machine, no big record label uh, behind what you're doing. You're betting on yourself. You're going all in, and it, it's uh, you know it's a family business, and. You're the ultimate entrepreneur. So what's this whole, what's navigating this whole thing been like for you besides maddening that you can't get on stage and, and perform? 
It's been tough. I mean, financially, you know, it's been very, very tough. We've probably lost, oh, I would say March, April, May, probably $30,000, you know, in, in revenue uh, that comes in. And so that, that also helps pay my band and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, when we put out like a radio single, you know, brand new radio single out that goes with the video, you know, it's, it's $6,000 just to release it. That's with a, a radio promoter and a very little bit of advertising. So uh, it's, you know, we, we really rely on the road to help us make our money that we can not only pay our bills and feed our families, but continue to purchase more equipment and, and, and spend more money on websites and advertising and more, you know, going to the studio and, and recording new music. It's, and it's none of that's cheap. everybody. Yeah. It's that none of that's cheap. No. Um, especially studio time, right? Yeah. And I've got a bus that I'm paying for that's sitting, you know, parked. And I've got storage lots that I'm paying for that, you know, just, they're just sitting there, you know, so it's, yeah. it's pretty frustrating. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, we, I've talked about this, you know, in my, uh, in my articles also on this podcast, a lot of people don't realize, you know, um, times have changed and, you know, we're talking about this whole Corona thing and quarantine, um, and the, the word new normal is being batted around way more than I want to hear, you know, I'm sure. ready to go back to the old normal. But right. there is a new normal in music in that you don't just release an album and make your money on CDs or cassettes or I'm pretty old. So eight track tapes, LPs, <laughs> right. vinyl, whatever. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't make your money on that because tell everyone what you get paid per stream and what you get paid per iTunes download <laughs> just so they understand exactly how important it is for you to tour and to be able to tour. Streaming, um, and I haven't had a math class since my sophomore year of high school, John, so uh, forgive me if, if I'm not up to speed on that, but I don't know how many decimal points there are that will represent how little we get paid on streaming. And those decimal, those, those like decimal points are all to the right of the zero. That's correct. Or so to the point, the, zero, zero, the point zero. and then there's a bunch of zeros. Exactly. Yeah, we really don't make much. And that's why a lot of your big artists like your Garth Brooks's and your Taylor Swift's are saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to put my stuff on there because y'all are basically listening to me for free all the time. And so all my hard work is, is not being paid for. And you know, that, that's why a lot of your songwriters who used to stay in Nashville or, you know, whatever, and just make a lot of money as songwriters, they're outperforming. I mean, you've got guys like you know Chris Stapleton and you've got Phil Vassar and guys that used to just sit back and write for everybody. They're actually out on the road now because that's where the money is. What an indictment on uh, labels and, and kind of the whole industry in Nashville that Stapleton was writing for other people for like, what, 20, 25 years before yeah. they figured out he had massive talent and, and literally could his work could speak for itself and he could yep. stand alone. Yeah, we went and saw him. He was here in Katy, Texas, where we live. Yep. He was here on like a Friday night. I was off that night. I told my wife, I said, hey, we're going to go. We don't usually go to a bar. If I'm not playing at a bar, you usually don't find me at yeah. a bar. I spend way too much time in those places. And so I told her, I said, I know we don't usually go out, but we're going to go see this guy named Chris Stapleton. And she was like, well, who is it? I've never heard of him. And I said, no, you haven't. But he's written a ton of songs for other people. And I'm telling you, in probably six months, you're not going to be able to afford to go see him. Yeah. And so we went. She was like, okay. I mean, he's yeah, he's, he's pretty good, you know, whatever. Well, then like three months later, it was the CMAs with him and, and Justin Timberlake. And he just blew up after that night. And, and he so, won like everything, didn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he killed it. And the guy's uber talented, incredible songwriter. I mean, deserves every bit of success that he's getting. But yeah, we saw him, you know, when he was, I mean, playing in a little 2,000 person bar. 
And there, there wasn't even 2,000 people there. I mean, we were right up by the stage and just, you know, watching him and his wife, his drummer and his bass player. And that was it. And, uh, yeah, and then to see him, you know, on CMA three months later, my wife's like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like that's the guy I told you about. So, yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's hard, you know, to make the money as a songwriter, you know, anymore. And uh, that's why Kenny Chesney has always toured, you know, about nine months out of the year because that's where he makes bank big time. You know, and obviously we don't make that kind of money, but that's the only place we can really make consistent income and in selling CDs and selling your know, shirts and hats and all that is at the live shows. And yeah. uh, other than that, it's been it's been pretty tough. It's almost like um, you know, streams and downloads are almost. Uh, I hate to use the term loss leader, but it's really almost like outbound marketing for you. It's an advertisement to get people to fall in love with your music and want to see you live go to a show, buy a ticket, get some merch and meet you. Right. Yep. Yeah. As a smaller artist, uh, it gets my music to places that I wouldn't get it, you know, just myself staying in Texas. So yeah, we've sent CDs to the UK. We've sent CDs to Australia. We've got people that listen to stream, you know, in Japan and all over the world, which is great. But if you're not out playing in those markets, you really don't get to reap much of the benefit of, you know, of the live shows. Yeah. So uh, but to me, you know, I remember Napster when Napster came out and it was all this huge, huge uproar about stealing, pirating music and blah, blah, blah. To me, that's what Spotify is. Mm-hmm. They just don't own the actual song. Yep. Spotify is like a radio station, but you get to choose what you listen to whenever you want to. When my music's played on a radio station here in Texas, then they have to pay royalties, you know, to ASCAP, BMI, all the you know, performing rights organizations every single year for every time they play that song. Spotify doesn't have to do that. Why? It's the same thing as a digital radio station. What's the difference? Yeah, that's what that's what frustrates me as a songwriter. It's criminal, really. It is. So um, you know, that's kind of like the economics of it for everybody who wasn't familiar with that. So now you understand why I said, uh, you know, the 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 artists are the ultimate entrepreneurs. They bet on themselves, and you know, there's an outlay of cash and you know some significant expenses. And then everything, uh, you know, the brakes got pumped on uh, this whole quarantine and shutdown of just about everything. So excited to put that behind us. Uh, Let's go way back for a minute and just tell us kind of how you got your start in music. You know, I'm always fascinated to hear some stories like guys like Chase Rice didn't pick up a guitar, didn't know he had a musical bone in his body until his junior year in college. Right. And there are others who uh, it's almost like it was in their DNA. Uh, at birth, I would be I would be in that second group. Yep. My mom was a music major in college. My dad played trumpet in high school and college. Uh, my dad was also a, an athlete, played football, baseball, and basketball uh, in college. And uh, so I started playing the piano when I was six, um, and then I started playing the the drums when I was eleven, the guitar when I was thirteen. And I tried to quit piano. I mean, it's not cool, dude, when you're playing football. Yeah. You got to leave football practice to go to piano lessons, you know, when you're 13, 14 years old. And so, I mean, I tried to quit and tried to quit. My mom's like, nope, you're not quitting. You're not going to quit. I'm not going to let you quit. So I would leave football practice in my football pants and a, you know, sweaty undershirt, go to the community college where I took piano lessons and I would sit there and do piano lessons. And even in, when I was in high school band playing the drums, I kept trying to quit playing the drums. And my mom was like, nope, you're not going to quit. You, you, you got, you're going to stick with this. And eventually I got a scholarship to Baylor, you know, as a, as a profession major and played in all kinds of symphony orchestras, jazz ensembles, rock bands, you know, played in churches and just all kinds of stuff. 
and uh, got a degree for it. And so uh, it definitely is something I'm really glad my mom did not let me quit. Yeah, it's uh, that's kind of struggle we're having with our daughter. She's in eighth grade and she wants to quit uh, saxophone. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, those concerts in middle school, as you know, aren't a lot of fun. Uh, but when you get to high school, things, uh, uh, yeah, everything's amplified. It's a little more fun. You're performing with older kids. And, and I just yeah. think there's a lot to be said. I wish I would have, you know, I wish my parents looking back would have forced me to play an instrument because it really affects the wiring or your brain. And uh, you just tap into a different side, literally a different side of your brain. And it helps you learn. There's so much research on how learning music helps you learn other things. Totally agree. Yeah, I was I was very good in math and science, you know, growing up. I was very bad in English, um, but math and science really translated over well to music and, you know, music theory and piano and the number system and all that kind of stuff. And so it was it was like putting a fish in water for me. Yep. So how did you make the shift from, uh, you know, not just performing music, whether it's in church, uh, school, band, um, to actually starting to write your own stuff. When did that take place and how much of an adjustment was that for you? Cause it seems like it's a natural evolution. Everybody goes from playing someone else's stuff or sheet music, uh, in a band to eventually you write your own stuff. And what's that transition like? Yeah, it was interesting for me. I didn't really start writing my own stuff until I got to college. Um, I wasn't, I didn't make great grades in English as far as like writing my thoughts down and writing papers. And I just wasn't, I guess I wasn't really in touch with, with feelings and emotion and all that. I mean, I was just, I was just a kid. I was a boy, you know, I was a typical Texas boy. I wanted to play football all the time. I'm going to go get a Taco Bell and just hang out with my buddies and, you know, go to the lake and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what I wanted to do. And so once I got to college and started really getting into music more is when I realized, man, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you, you, there's a lot of emotion that you feel, you know, and, to me, one of the, the most ultimate compliments is for somebody to say, that song that you wrote is exactly how I feel. You know, and there's a lot of people that can't express those emotions and those words, but we try to do it as a songwriter for them. And so some of the songs that I've written are not from my own experience. You know, I've written from other people's experiences. Yep. And so that's, to me, that's, you know, it's, it's harder to do that. It's easy to sit down and write from my own experiences. But it, was, it wasn't until college that I really started to try to get in touch with that. Uh, and try to verbalize and put on paper things that I was feeling and things that I was talking of thinking about and going through and all that. So, uh, and I still don't think I'm a great songwriter. I think I'm a, I'm a good songwriter. I'm a decent songwriter, but it's like anything, you got to sit down and hone your craft and you've got to spend time doing it. And I get so bogged down being a husband and a dad and touring and trying to run my website and sell merchandise and, you know, all this other stuff. It's like, how many hours in the day can, do I have to sit down and write you know, and, and be disciplined enough to really put the craft, you know, in, into it to, to write. It's hard. There's, there's songs that I've written, uh, like our, one of our songs, Don't Flirt With a Texas Man. That song probably wrote itself in like 20 minutes. I mean, boom, yeah. done. Uh, Don't Walk Away. That song wrote itself in about 30 minutes. Just, just did. And I've got other songs that I've started three years ago that I still can't fix. I can't finish them. They're just not there. And so it's, it's frustrating. It's really what? frustrating. What I find really interesting um, is it's, and I think this is the power of storytelling, but you know, being a songwriter and performing music, when people hear the lyrics and they gave you that feedback, like you said, like, you know, it was like you, um, you're what you wrote and what you just performed is exactly how I feel. I mean, that's like a superpower. 
Oh, huge. Because you're able to kind of step into with your music and your lyrics, you're stepping into someone else's mind. I don't think people realize just how powerful that is. And totally you know, agree. It's one of uh, one of the things that has always attracted me to country music since I was 12 years old. I went to my first country concert. I was 12 years old. It was at a fair in Reading, Pennsylvania. My dad took me to see Lee Greenwood. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, so, you started out at the top right there. Yeah. Like it's a down tick from there, you know? Yeah. So I interviewed Lee for an article in Entrepreneur Magazine a couple of years ago. I told him that. And he's like, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. I'm like, why? He said, damn, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all getting older, man. It's better than the alternative. But it is like it's the power of storytelling and it's the authenticity of this genre. And it's also the direct artist to fan uh, connection that you do not see in any other genre of music. To my knowledge. Totally agree. I've told people from day, from day one that I started is that country music reaches everybody from birth to death. Right. I went through my rap phase in high school and my 80s hair band in junior high and high school. I mean, I went through those phases and I kind of grew out on them. You never outgrow country music. You just don't. You know, yeah. lyrically and all that, there, there's there's songs out there in country music, the country music genre that do. They reach people and speak to people from birth to death. Doesn't matter how old you are or whatever. Doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. There are always those songs, you know. And like the song that I wrote, Don't Walk Away, which is the title track of our last album. I wrote it through a buddy's perspective. He was going through a divorce. His wife had walked out. And I was like, man, if you don't mind, I'm just going to write down, you know, your feelings and stuff and, and wrote the song. Never planned on releasing this as a single. Uh, I sent it to Chad Prather, our friend. He was mm -hmm. going through some marriage stuff at the time. I didn't even know it. Um, but that song helped open up the lines of communication for him and his wife to work things out. And after we released that single, I got email after email yeah. every single week saying that song saved my marriage, man, as a songwriter, that's just hits you right square in the heart, you know, and you start, and I, there was, there was times I would sit there and read these stories and just weep yeah. knowing that that song had a small part in keeping marriages together. That, that's huge. And when a song has that kind of power and influence as a songwriter, man, I don't care how many streams or downloads or whatever it gets. Yep. That's what that song's all about. Yeah, it can literally be life-changing if you're able to do that for just one person. It was well worth all the sweat equity that went into it, and absolutely. that's the way I feel about my writing as well. But, yeah, it's absolutely a superpower. And I think um, you have a, a song right now that just came out today that also uh, I think is going to be blowing up your inbox. I hope so. We're, the, trying, to, we're, you know, we're trying to send a positive message in a very negative time. And so, that song, folks, is called You Gotta Swim. You Gotta Swim, brother. And it is uh, a fun video. You'll have to go see it. Go to cooperwade.com and go to his YouTube channel, and uh, you can watch it there. But So I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but I will say it is a uh, fun, entertaining video. We'll talk about you know how it was made and where it was made, but it's also a metaphor for life. And Absolutely. I'm going to let you take it from there. Well, you know, you got to swim. And obviously this is summertime and everybody's getting ready to, you know, school's pretty much already out. And so kids are out swimming and stuff. But when you think about the metaphor of life's waters, the typical waters of life, and, you know, we see people that get up to their neck and up to their head and they, they, they drown or they start to drown and it gets very, very nervous for them. Um, you know, and, and the song in the chorus, it says, whether you, you know, 
whether you jumped in, you fell in, you walked the plank, no matter how you found yourself in the water, you got to swim. Failure is not an option. Drowning is not an option. You got to swim. And so if we can give that kind of positive message to people in a fun, lighthearted song, that's you know also just a great summer song. But I really wanted it to be a positive message to people saying, look, don't give up. No matter where you're at in life, don't give up. And what we did in the video uh, is I've got a daughter who is, is severely handicapped. She has cerebral palsy. And she, to me, is one of my heroes yep. because she didn't do anything to deserve the, the cards that she was dealt. But yet she swims in life every single day with a smile on her face, with joy in her heart. And it's, it's an example to yep. me to stop focusing on the stupid little things that I may complain about. And I look at her and go, that kid does way more with way less than I do every day. And it's, it's, it's inspirational. We had another little girl in the video named Tegan and she had a heart condition, had open heart surgery. And she's in the video as well. And she's just a sweet, sweet girl. But man, she's a warrior princess because she has dealt with things in life that no adult has ever dealt with and no child should ever have to deal with. And yet she does it with strength, with a smile. Her parents are huge supporters and they're just awesome people. So I'm actually going to try to do an interview with, with Tegan uh, before, uh, probably before uh, Memorial Day, and we'll release it on our, 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 our social media channels. But I want to interview her and let y'all hear from Tegan, a little sweet little seven, eight-year-old girl, what it's like to be a warrior and to swim in life's tough waters when you feel like you're going to drown. We'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely help you push that out. I'll uh, share that with my, uh, all my socials and it's an important message. I think that's one of the amazing things with kids is, uh, in, in a lot of respects, they're way more resilient than adults Oh, huge! and they don't even know it. You huge. Know? Yeah. 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 I mean, Anna, my daughter, she doesn't know any different, yeah. you know, she doesn't, she doesn't realize how hard her life is every day because it's all she's known. Yeah. You know, the, the hospital, and the doctor messed up when she was being born. She was a perfectly healthy kid. Nine, eight pounds, six ounces, two days after her due date. There was nothing wrong with her, but a mistake at birth. And now she's got cerebral palsy. It's not her fault, but she does it every day. And I'm telling you, that, that, that kid is awesome. And, and these are, I think, the important stories to tell and the examples to show, which is one of the things I love about the video, is uh, it just you can't help but aspire to be a better person when you see that in action. You know, yeah. um, you know my daughter's hard of hearing. And, you know, I, uh, it's instant perspective for me when I see how she navigates the world. And a lot of times our adversity is actually our advantage in some ways when you're missing, you know, one sense, your other senses are more acute and like her attention to detail is off the charts. So, um, it's just, it's inspiring to see kids navigate the world that way. And it just makes you want to be a better person and watching the video makes me want to be a better person. So uh, excited to talk about it and, and share the message obviously with uh, my tribe here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how you made the video. And, you know, one of the things entrepreneurs do is they, um, they start with nothing from the ground up and you literally like my definition of entrepreneurship is taking nothing and turning it into something. And typically, you know, you got to do that with minimal resources un- until uh, y- you've bootstrapped your business to the point where, you can really invest. And, yep. you know, I'm, I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, forcing yourself to operate with restrictions is uh, a benefit and it makes you creative. It makes you more of a problem solver. 
like I forget which Dr. Seuss book it was, but his publisher challenged him to only use nine words in the whole book. And it might've been the cat in the hat. And it was the cat in the hat. Wow. Um, but he was challenged to use like a very limited uh, amount of words. Like he could repeat the same word, but you know, there was a word count put on him like a pitcher with a pitch count. And right. that ended up being his best selling, most popular book that kind of put him on the map. So I think when we, um, you know, we, when we get creative and we find resources we didn't know we had, uh, that's when we get an amazing product. And I know that um, you're able to shine a spotlight on a certain venue uh, locally for you. I'd love to hear that story about how that came to be. Yes, there's a water park here in KD called Typhoon, Texas. And we've we've played there many times and we're one of their favorite bands because we're, we're a local band. So when we play out there, a lot of our friends and families uh, you know, will come out and support us because I've coached when my son is 16 now, I've coached him since he was four, you know, little league football, baseball, basketball all around. So I know a lot of these kiddos and families in this area. And so we always say, Hey, we're playing at the water park this weekend. Everybody come out. The whole families will come out. It's a great time. And so when we had this, this song come up and I was like, man, we need to record that song. It's awesome. I immediately thought when we shoot the video, I want to shoot it at Typhoon, Texas. Cause it's called, you got to swim. Perfect you know, there's all these cool water slides and there's all these kids having fun and it's just a great environment. And so I contacted them. I said, Hey guys, I want to shoot this, this video, you know, and it's going to cost us about X amount of dollars. Um, but I need, I need some help. You know, I want to highlight your park. I want to highlight what you guys do. Cause I'm a big believer in what y'all do, but I'm going to need some help to pull it off. And they said, Hey, you know what? If we can use the video for our advertising and stuff, we'll pay for the video. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Things happen so for a reason, did. brother. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just, you know, and, and when you find partnerships, I mean, I got, you know, Cinch is one of my, one of my sponsors. They don't give me money, but I contacted them when I was first starting and said, look, this is who I am. This is what I do. I buy your shirts and I buy your jeans. And if you could give me some of those for free every year, that would save me money from having to spend on stuff. And I will advertise and promote and market for you all over the place. Yep. How many clothing companies are advertising in bars right now? And they said, none. I said, no, you could be the first one. And I'll help you do that. I went to, you know, American Hats. Same thing. Went to them and said, hey, I'm not asking for money. But if you could give me a couple of hats a year, that would save me a lot of money spending on, you know, on hats. And so, you know, Ariat Boots, Martin Guitars. I mean, I could go down the list of yep. sponsors that have said, hey, you know what? We're not going to give you money, but we'll give you free product. And hey, that saves me money in the long run anyway. So huge thank you and shout out to Typhoon Texas for making this video possible. Uh, making it happen. Like I said, it's a fantastic venue. Love the staff there. And so we did, we did a live show that day. We did a, we did a, a, a free concert and we shot the video while we were out there and it just turned out awesome. And, and I ask you to share that um, story because I think there's a lesson in there for everyone listening, regardless of what industry you work in, regardless of your occupation, you know, that's just tapping into local potential partnerships in your community could be a fellow business owner. You know, um, one of the, uh, one of the industries I'm so impressed with is the craft beer industry, uh, because they all pull for each other. You, You would think they'd be competitors, but you know, up here, uh, we've got like 50 craft breweries within, you know, a 60 mile radius and they all show up for each other's new product launches. They all promote each other's stuff. And it's really a rising tide raises all ships, you know. Um, and if you're able to collaborate with, with an, you know, another organization, uh, whether it's in your industry or just in your community where there's a synergy, 
and this is an obvious synergy for both of you, uh, it's it's a win-win. It's brilliant. And sure. I, I think yeah, a lot of people overlook doing that because, you know, it's the obvious thing that's right in front of their face that they don't think of. Right. And I've said that about, you know, the cool thing about country music is, um, you know, you can support multiple artists. You don't have to just pick one. When you go to buy yourself a new truck, you're going to just pick one. You're going to pick a Chevy, a Dodge or a Ford if you're American. Right. Um, but when you go, you know, like with craft beer, you can like 12 different craft beers. It's OK. Yep. You can support 12. You know, and I tell artists all the time, country artists, you know, they're like, well, I, you know, I don't want to support so and so because, you know, that may take away from my audience. Let me tell you something, man. Mm-hmm. That audience, if, if you don't have an audience, it's your fault. You're not doing your job. You're not putting out good product. And that's on you. But I, I mean, if I'm if I'm going to be away from Katie for the night, if I'm playing somewhere far away and one of my buddies is playing in Katie, I'll send an email or something saying, hey, if you're going to be in Katie tonight, my buddy so-and-so is going to be playing at this place. Man, y'all go check him out. I'm trying to help, like you said, raise the water, raise all the ships for everybody. Because when, when one or two of us succeed, we can all succeed. It's okay. And if and you're helping buy that Cooper Wade CD and the Casey Donahue CD and the Cody Don, they can support multiple artists by just buying some of their products. And if you're supporting each other like that, what's going to happen? That you know, the day of a show when you know that other artist that you promote and he promotes you wakes up that morning and has lost his voice, and now right. all of a sudden, like he's got to cancel. Who's going to fill in? You know, right. you want to be I've that first that phone call. Times. Yeah, I've done that numerous times for artists. Yep. Yeah. So you want to be and that friends phone of mine. call, and yeah, and I want to make that phone call for others. I got friends of mine that call me and go, hey, man, we got called to play a show for this deal and we're already booked that night. But I told them to call you because you're my bro and, you know, whatever. And when we do that to each other, we help each other out and we network with each other. And man, that's that's how it's supposed to be. It's a cutthroat business in in some regards. It's a very cutthroat business. But in in the same regard, it's it's, it's family. There's a lot of us that are family. And I think that's the takeaway for everybody is, you know, there are going to be certain really ultra competitive elements to your industry, but they don't, it doesn't all have to be that way. You know, you and can I honestly can't play every show. I can't, yeah. I can't play and sing every show throughout the year. I can't. There's only what, 52 weeks, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a year. And if I'm lucky, I can play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, of those, of those 52 weeks. So if somebody calls me, you know, for three different shows on the same night in May, I can't play all three. Yep. I can only do one. So I got to help somebody else, you know, cover those deals and and help that person get a good artist to cover that event for them. And I'm glad to, I'm glad to help out because I can't physically do it all. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the way I view I'm a professional speaker. And that's the way I view my industry is good speaking begets more good speaking. You want other people to have good experiences with your professional peers Otherwise, it reflects poorly on you if they don't. It reflects poorly on the whole industry. So I think that's super important. I hope you know everybody uh, takes that to heart and applies it to their industry. Um, what are uh, some of the lessons you've learned along the way about having to swim in your career? <laughs> Since we're talking about you got to swim, you know there have been times maybe when you stuck your toe in the water. There have been other times when you stepped in and whoosh, it's like shoulder shoulder deep water that looked like real shallow yeah i mean when you talk about us being you know entrepreneurs i mean financially you know it's it's a huge undertaking to do what we do i mean you go in the studio you're going to throw down 25 30,000 on a new cd easy 
You know, and so you're looking at it going, man, I, I hope I can make this back. I hope I can do this. I mean, when we released this new radio single, you got to swim. All this COVID stuff's going on. Shows are getting canceled. And my radio promoter said, do you want to postpone this? And I said, no, because you got to swim. That's why. Yep. Even in the middle of COVID and, and venues are going to be closing and shows are not going to be booked, you still got to swim. It'd be hypocritical sure of you I, and irresponsible of you not to release it, right? That's what you're exactly. thinking. And I told her, I said, from a business mind, you know, and this is a business. This isn't a party. This isn't just, oh, well, I want to play music for fun. This is a business. And I told her, I said, we need to be released so that when things do open back up, we've already got the momentum. We've already got a great song out and video and all that. So I did. I I, I reached down and, you know, dropped 10 grand on myself so I could swim and, and hoping and knowing that it will pay off in the long run. But is it nerve wracking? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're releasing singles and, you know, we're getting played on radio, but yet nobody's calling to book us because nothing's open, you know? So it is, it's a little nerve wracking, but you got to swim man. this is what we do. Yeah. I think the people that do uh, double down, go all in on themselves at this time are, and are the, are going to be the ones who will be rewarded. It's like the stock market. When the stock market starts to go back, the people start pulling the money out. Well, the smart people put more money in because it's going to rebound. And then you got momentum on your side. That's it, baby. It's all we need. What's that? What's that saying? Scared money don't make money. That's it. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. Dumb and dumber. <laughs> what? Um, so take us back to a time when uh, you really kind of felt like you weren't swimming. Like it was a struggle, and you're just trying to put one arm in front of the other. And, and I went through. Progress. I went through a really. Uh, I went through a tough divorce in 2009. And at the, in 2008, the construction industry pretty much tanked with all yeah. the bad mortgages and all that. Well, I was a I was a home builder. I had my own construction company. I was also doing music at the same time, and I went through a divorce. So my main source of income, construction, went to nothing. You know, went through a divorce, had kids half the time, dealing with the financial. I mean, financial unraveling from divorces yeah. is never fun. Um, and I mean, I was just, I was, I mean, I was driving to Amarillo, Texas, so I could lose $50 to play a gig, yeah. you know? And so I was just going, I'm, I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall going, is this really worth it? But thankfully I just, I just kept at it. I mean, there were nights that I would come home and my electricity would shut off. Not because I didn't have the money. I just didn't pay the bill. Yeah. Forgot about it. And so I'd call a friend and go, Hey man, can me and my kids come and crash at your place? Now I, I haven't paid the electric bill or, you know, whatever. So there was, there was time. I mean, I would say 2009 to 2011, it was a struggle to, to keep things going. And, but you know, again, when it's in your blood and it's your passion, yeah. you figure it out and you, and you swim no matter what, it may not be pretty. We may not make a ton of money those years, but we stayed in the game. We stayed in the game of life. You know, we didn't give up. And, you know, then we, we look back, you know, two or three years later, you know, after that and you go, man, can you remember three years ago, when we weren't making anything and now, you know, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing singles and we're, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, man, if we had quit when, the, when it got tough in 2009, we may not have ever started, you know, doing it again, or we might have to start completely over and it just wouldn't have been worth it. I mean, my kids can tell you about times when, when I was a single dad and I'm driving to venues all across Houston with my kids in the back seat watching the Disney movie while da- daddy goes into a bar and, and almost begs a bar owner to give us a shot to play there. My kids can tell you that story because it's real. Yeah. It happened, you know, but through hard work and perseverance and all that, eventually it pays off. 
And that's, I think it's key to anything is just staying in the game. And, you know, the example I love to give to people is, you know, uh, and I'll just ask you, we'll, this, uh, you know, we'll do a little trivia here. Uh, when do you think most people who are running a marathon quit? They don't finish. What, at what point do you think they quit on the race? Probably three quarters of the way through. Yeah. You know why? Because they can't see the finish line. You're not going to quit at mile 24 or 25 because you know you can see the finish line from there. But you've gone pretty far. You're tired. You're emotionally and physically fatigued. And you can't see the goal. And I think it's like that with a lot of things. You know, people who uh, who quit on themselves in the music industry. People who uh, just say, you know what, this this you know, small business owner thing isn't for me. You know, they're so close to making it, but they just didn't stay the course, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think it's important, especially as a musician that you set, that you do set goals. You know, like I said, this, I'm a small business owner. This is what I am. You know, my business is entertainment and music. And that's, that's a product that I put out and the product that I sell. And so I've got to set goals for myself long-term goals and also yearly short-term goals. And if you'll do that, you know, maybe your goal is, Hey, I want to be able to make, you know, a thousand dollars, you know, playing a full band show. Well, once you get to that goal, then okay, now my goal is 2,500 and then my goal is 4,000. And then I mean, you got to set those kind of goals, but along with that goes, well, I've got to put out new music and I've got to put out singles and I've got to do music videos and I've got to make up t-shirts and hats and you know, I've got to get to places. And I mean, there's still times that I play events and I lose money because it's a business decision. It's an investment long-term going, if I play it now, in two years when they call back, they'll be paying me, you know? And so you've got to set those goals and, and all those kinds of things. I mean, everybody says, well, you know, what's your goal? Well, my goal is to be the next Brad Paisley. <laughs> okay. Hold on, dude. How are you going to get there? Cause it takes years to get there. And when I first started, that was my goal. I wanted to be the next Brad Paisley, but then I saw the amount of time that Brad's gone from his wife and his mm -hmm. kids. And I saw the road it took to get there. And I decided, you know what? That sacrifice is not worth it to me. It's not to me. To some people it is. And I don't fault them for that. Man, go and do your thing. Yep. I, I, man, I, God called me to be a dad and a husband first. And I, I fully believe that. And so I didn't want to miss out on my kids growing up to be 18. Because once they get to 18 and they go to college, I can't make up any of that time. There's no amount of money that will make up that time of, of watching them grow up and, and being the dad in their life and, and all that. So I decided, you know what, I'll play around Texas and a little bit of Louisiana, Oklahoma, New Mexico, that kind of thing but I'm going to pretty much stay regional because I don't want to miss my kids growing up. And that was, reality, that was important to me. The reality of it is your kids don't care that you're not, you know, a, a, a world famous musician. My kids don't care that I'm not you know, a, a world famous author. Like, they care that you're there, you know, right. and, you know, I, I had that same feeling for a long time. And, you know, the first, my first book that was a bestseller, um, when it hit the bestseller chart, you know, my wife got home from work. We're sitting down to dinner with our kids and she's like, Oh, how was your day? So I have some pretty good news. I have some pretty big news. You know, um, my book hit uh, number one, new release and, uh, international bestseller. And she's like, Oh, that's great. And as like, we're having this conversation, my daughter just looks at me and points and said, yeah, uh, could you, could you pass the potatoes? Right. 
I'm like, really? She's just happy I'm there for dinner. They don't they don't care how many albums you sell or how many books I sell. They care that you were there. You went to their right. game. You coached the, you know, their little league. And I think like, people need to look at uh, you know the toll that some of that travel takes on them and their families. It's not healthy. Yeah, I mean that, that's to the have the right goals and really. And, and we've been, we've been fortunate to get to play. We get to play fairs and rodeos and festivals. And so when my kids will come, they'll say, "Hey, here's some free you know rides for your kids to go ride." Well, they they think that's the coolest thing in the world. Yep. Like my dad's a rock star because I get to go ride the yeah. carnival rides for free. And I'm going, man, if you only knew. <laughs> like, but yeah. to them, that's that's it, and that's what they remember. They don't remember when I got to go and open for David Allen Coe or go play with. Um, Easton Corbin at the House of Blues in Houston on his first tour. They don't remember that stuff. They remember that time that we got to go to this water park and they got in for free because yeah. their dad's a rock star. That, that that makes it for me. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So in your travels, you had mentioned a couple other artists. Uh, I've seen David Allen. I've seen uh, Easton was oh up here gosh. last summer. I saw him. Um, what What's kind of one of your favorite memories uh, of a show or – you know, just something with your band. What, we, dude, what's that one thing that's like that really just sticks out in your mind? We've been so blessed to get to play with some really amazing artists. Um, Easton Corbin's first tour was was one of the coolest for me because uh, that was probably two thousand and nine, probably two thousand nine, maybe ten. And he he did come to the House of Blues in Houston, which is a great venue. Um, and we were the opening band, so we had our own dressing room. We had a buffet outside, you know, the dressing room. I mean, we really, like the night before, I was changing clothes in a urinal that had pee on the floor. You know, I tried not to step in it, you know, yeah. in my socks. And the next night, I'm at the House of Blues with a, a dressing room with my name on it, a buffet out in the hallway. And I looked at my band and I said, listen, guys, do not get used to this. Yeah. Okay. This is not reality for us yet. Hopefully, it will be. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, dude, we've, we've, I mean, gosh, playing with him, playing with Billy Currington uh, in Beaumont, Texas, um, you know, just having, having people line up after the show to, to, to shake my hand, to hug my neck, you know, to maybe buy a CD or a shirt and just, just say, man, you guys are awesome. I never heard of y'all before. And now that I've heard you, I mean, I'm a huge fan. Um, that would, that's cool. Now, like David Allen Co., I would never play with that dude again if they asked me to, because he was just a jerk. Just a jerk. Yeah. Most of the people we played with have been so great. Bellamy Brothers. I mean, all the Texas guys, Cody Johnson, Aaron Watson, Kevin Fowler, Roger Craiger, uh, Corey Morrow, uh, gosh, Josh Ward, Randall King. I mean, these guys are Curtis Grimes. These guys are just awesome dudes and, and so much fun to talk to. So most of my stories are good. But the David Allen Cohen was just not he was just kind of a jerk, just an old crotch of the old dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've, like I said, man, we got to play with Tracy Lawrence last year. Oh, wow. Um, which was a lot of fun. I mean, I grew up listening to, you know, Paint Me a Birmingham and yep. all of his great songs. And so we got to play with him. And we've played with Casey Donahue like three times. And that Casey's a good friend and just a great dude. Um, Aaron Watson. I mean, Aaron, we were playing with Aaron Watson and, and I'm, we're, we're out in, uh, it's, we were in, uh, oh, it was in Mason, Texas. And it was really windy that night. And I'm sitting up my merch stuff and his, you know, his, he has a person that sets his up. I'm out there setting my own up. Yeah. And this wind comes in and starts blowing, just blowing my stuff down. I'm like, oh my gosh. Dude, his, some of his band members run over. Hey man, we got some zip ties here. Let me help you. That's like they awesome. just jumped in and started helping me set up my merch stuff. 
because that's the kind of dudes that they are. Yeah. And when you get to meet guys like that and you get to see the humility and the servanthood that they have as a big name artist and band to come help some little opener guy, dude, that I always said, I want to make sure I do that to people that open yep. for me one day because well, I remember how much it meant to me. There's no small coincidence that number one, they're all grounded in faith, every single one of them. And number two, they're just a great team. You know, oh my gosh, there's a great team top to bottom, yeah. all those guys. Yep. Um, What's uh, kind of the craziest thing that you've experienced? You know, we talked a little bit about the ups and downs. Uh, you've you've had a long, healthy career. What's been just kind of the craziest thing out of left field that's hit you or just like something unexpected and how you navigated that, how you swam in those waters? Oh, man. We have, I mean, we've honestly been blessed. And I would say because I'm not a 22-year-old guy, I'm pretty well versed, you know, in business and, and things that happen. So, you know, not a lot surprises me, thankfully. Um, again, I, I treat this very much like a business and um, I always know going into it that, Hey, we may make a lot of money here. We may lose a lot of here. So it's got to have to balance out. Yep. Um, I would say the the craziest thing was when I had to file taxes one year and I was like, I was doing my own taxes cause I didn't have a whole lot. So I was, you know, keeping it all on turbo tax and the whole deal. And I turned it in and, and uh, I didn't have a whole lot, you know, a whole lot of income that year because I had so many expenses to offset. Yeah. You know, man, a bus is expensive and new CDs are expensive and guitar strings and equipment and speakers. That all adds up. Yeah. And so you, you look back and go, man, I made 60 grand this year. You're like, yeah, but how much did you actually make? And you're like, well, I actually lost two grand. You know, it's like, what in the world? Because it's all so expensive. And so I sent this thing in. Sent my, my income tax in, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty much break even. I didn't, I didn't own anything, but I'm not getting anything back. It's all good. As long as I'm not going to pay, I'm fine. I get audited Ooh. for that year and the year before. Yeah. And they're like, you owe, you owe like $14,000. And I mean, dude, as a, as a you know, up-and-coming artist, to get that whammied on you, I was like, dude, there's no way. So I, I, I fought it, and I was like, hey. You show me where I owe this much money, I'll gladly pay it. But here's my books. I, I didn't I didn't make that much money. How did that and turn out, if you don't mind me asking? Because I know I like the it. feds, when they investigate, oh, they'll dude. spend hundred and fourteen thousand dollars to yeah. prove themselves right and find fourteen. So basically with the IRS, you are you are guilty until proven innocent. If they say you owe 14 grand, you owe it until you can prove that you don't. And so uh, my, my wife now, we were just dating at the time. And she's really organized with, you know, spreadsheets and all that. So she really came in and helped me put all this on paper. And we walked into me with the IRS and it was an African-American lady. And it's, it's a running joke that African-American ladies love me. I don't know why, what it is, but we walked in and, and my wife looked at me and she goes, you are the luckiest son of a gun I've ever known. <laughs> And I just kind of winked at her and smiled. So in no time, I had that lady eating out of my hand. Oh, you play music? Yes, ma'am, I play music. I mean, I got a CD right here in my back. Let me just give you one of my CDs. You can check this out. I mean, we just started discoursing, talking. Yep. And next thing I knew, that fourteen grand got whittled down to 1400 Awesome. Now, I was still pissed because I didn't feel like I owed $1,400. Yep. My wife's kicking me going, shut up and pay the 1400 because it'll cost yep. you more in legal fees to fight it. Yep. And you're probably going to lose anyway. So like, just pay the 1400 and be done. And so I did. But when I first got that $14,000 bill from the IRS, dude, I felt like I was not going to swim. I was going to drown. I think 
every small business owner, every entrepreneur has been there. We've all had one of those moments. Oh. And yeah, you just got to, uh, you just got to persevere. And yep. I think you got to hire little... a good CPA. That's what I did after that. Yep. So, and yeah. I think you, you got to have a little luck. You got the the right lady behind the other side of the desk that day too. Yep. You know? I did. Yeah. Cause it was some dude. He wouldn't have cared about my music yeah. or anything. He'd have been like, shut up. Pay yep. what you owe. Get out of here. Exactly. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just so excited for you. I want to remind everybody, go to cooperwade.com, not Wade Cooper, cooperwade.com. Uh, all his socials are there. You can follow him on Instagram. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Uh, there's lots of great, there's lyric videos, uh, other music videos besides You Gotta Swim. You Gotta Swim is going to be the first one you see on there uh, because that just came out today. And you're going to love it as much as I do. Um, buy his music. Buy his merch. There is a great T-shirt. And, and I'm a T-shirt guy. I love T-shirts. There is a great T-shirt on Cooper's website that is uh, it's a uh, short mathematical equation. <laughs> and this is my, like, bone of contention with the country music genre and why, like, you're officially uh, one of my heroes in this genre for the, you drew a line in the sand, you took a stand and you released this one particular shirt that I'm going to let you describe. <laughs> this well, plus that. <laughs> so we've got a shirt that says country plus rap equals crap. I, I was, I was born in Abilene, Texas. I was raised in Fort Worth in Cowtown and I, I've been listening to country music since I was a little kid and my granddaddy's Ford F-250 that he pulled his fifth wheel camper behind and we used to go cut wood in Gainesville, Texas. I've been listening to eight tracks of country music since I was a kid. There's no beatbox or snap track or whatever the crap you want to call it yeah. in country music. And today's country music on the radio station is not the traditional stuff that I was raised on and you were raised on and that we still play. We still play traditional country music. When you come to a show, everything you hear, we are playing or singing on stage. Is, there's no tracks. There's no drum machine to it, nothing. And so it's all legitimate good stuff. And that's the measuring stick for an artist. If you haven't figured it out yet, folks, is if you go to their live show and you can say to yourself, wow, they sound just like they do on the radio. Or this sounds exactly like the download that I just purchased. That's how you know you're getting the real deal. Yeah, there's you actually. Be a, I mean, there's actually a bass ones, player. Yeah. Have you seen? I don't know if you've seen this. This is like this goes right in with your T-shirt. Um, have you seen the Instagram account that is uh, Sam Hunt's bass player? No. The profile picture is just a picture of an iPad. <laughs> it just says Sam Hunt's bass player. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who did it. I don't know if it's still active, but it's just an iPad. <laughs> and, that is too funny. Yeah. So if uh, you're if you're at a show and you hear a piano solo and you look up and there's no piano on stage, something ain't right. Yep. You know, and I always tell people, you know, our live shows they have to be better than the CD. Yeah. Okay, because if you're listening to the CD at home and it's the same as as we're doing a live show, why would you come to a live show? We have got to entertain. We have got to really put on a show. So when you leave, you walk out going, man, 
What a show. What a performance. What an entertainer. Yep. And your shows are high energy. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you come to a live show? Yeah. Makes no sense. And we've all been to those concerts where we, we, we walk away going, man, they, they sound a whole lot better on their CD. That's, that's rough because there's certain things you can't replicate live. Yeah. You know, you got to do it. So it's, it's always fun for us to play live shows. Yeah. I'm, I'm high energy, man. I'm all over the stage. Sometimes I'll end up getting on top of the bar and singing from on top of the bar. Um, I mean, I was influenced by Garth Brooks growing yeah. up, you know, climbing ladders and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Man, I love doing that. My problem is I'm 6'3", 265 pounds. So there's not there's certain things that won't hold me. Yep. There was a bar here in, in Cyprus that we used to play. And I got up on top of this guy's bar. And he had a nice, long granite top bar. It's beautiful. And I got up on top of there and he comes over and he's like scared to death because he thought I was going to crack his bar top. Yep. And so when the show got done, he goes, listen, man, he goes, I love the fact that you move all over the place and get the crowd involved. He goes, you scared the hell out of me when you got up on top of my granite bar. So the next time we played there, I walked over and he goes, come here, let me show you something. He had taken the spot where I got up at the bar and he had put in four by four posts underneath the granite edge right there. He goes, if you're going to get up on the bar tonight, this is where That's I made hilarious. for you. Yeah, he made a spot for me, just for me. To get up on that bar, and you bet I got up on there that night, and we had a great time. And there's you pictures probably... of two two of the uh, beer buckets. We had put rubbing alcohol in, and we had lit them on fire. Yep. And so there's pictures of me standing on the bar with these two beer buckets on fire, and we're doing Garth Brooks' standing outside of the fire. It was awesome. That's great. And I didn't break the bar. And, and like to your point, I think people don't remember you. They remember how you made them feel. Absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, when you have a high energy show, you have a show that's, you know, family friendly, like, like it just, there's a, a certain feeling there that you can't get any other way. You have to go see it live. And, you know, I think it's, it's very similar with comedy. You can watch, oh, you know, like something on, on the comedy channel, but when you go see stand up live, it is a whole other level. It's just certain things just don't translate quite as well. That aren't and, you, and you play off of the audience's participation yep. and their reaction as well. I mean, you, like I said, you and our buddy Chad Prather, when Chad and I do shows together, it's a lot more comedy and that kind of thing. And I play off of him, mm-hmm. but dude, we play a lot with the audience and it's, it's so much fun. Absolutely. So, um, what, uh, what advice do you have? I always love to ask people, you know, what advice do you have for like an up and comer? And I don't necessarily mean an up and comer musician, uh, but just someone who's taken that entrepreneurial journey. And there are a few steps, um, there are a few miles behind you down this path. I would say, number one, invest in yourself. And that's going to look differently for different, different people. Obviously, you know, musician you're going to invest in you know instruments and equipment and things like that and we all have to do it but not only that but just invest in yourself as far as how you how you run your business and how you think about growth and and those kinds of things um i would say the first i mean depending on how how their journey goes the first three or four years of of being an upcoming artist you're not going to make a lot of money and if you do you better reinvest it because the more you reinvest it the more you're building for what's going to be in the future so if you can work, you know, there's a lot of artists that are, you know, waiters during the day or, you know, they, they do construction work or plumbers or they do whatever during the day just to help pay bills. If you can really take your money proceeds from your music business and reinvest that in things, 
you're going to see a lot more success down the road. If you think, man, I'm, I'm high on the hog. We made $800 tonight. I'm going to go blow it on you know, Jägermeister and, you know, whatever. Dude, it's going to be a short road for you. It yeah. really is. Because it's, it's people say, you know, it's like sprinting a marathon, mm-hmm. basically. You never give up. You, you know, you never, I mean, my wife will tell you, you know, there's a lot of holidays where holidays are not normal for us because I'm playing. You know, uh, New Year's, playing. Valentine's Day, playing. St. Patrick's Day, playing. Easter is probably the only holiday that I really don't don't book much on Easter weekend because the crowds haven't ever been really good. Memorial Day, playing. Fourth of July, playing. Labor Day, playing. Uh, Halloween, playing. Thanksgiving, playing. Christmas, playing. I mean, the big holidays, you just don't get. So if yeah. you recognize that up front and realize, hey, this is how it's going to be. And if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're dating somebody, you got to let them know straight up, hey, this is, this is my life. You know, my wife will tell you, when we got married, I was like, look, this is what I was doing before I met you. I'm not going to stop. This is part of who I am and what I do. And she was supportive, you know, to say, okay, I get it. I know what I'm getting myself into. Now that we're married, she doesn't come to the shows. She's like, I already got the ring. I'm done. Been there, done that. Yeah, I've seen yeah. him live once. <laughs> right. <laughs> I so, hear him sing in the shower. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, she works a full-time job. When I'm not here, she's taking care of all four of the kids. So, you know, it, it's it's not like I'm just out, you know, having fun and, and working and she's just sitting at home doing nothing. She's yeah. still she's still working, man. It takes it takes an army to to deal with, you know, four teenagers and you know, you got one that's a, a special needs child. I mean, yeah. it's it's a lot of work. And so her work at home allows me to go out and do what I love to do and what I'm passionate about doing. Yeah, I think that's uh you need like I think you're you're both fortunate that she met you when you're already a musician, like I, I've always said, like I'd probably be divorced if my wife met me, you know, and before I started coaching, when I was a college lacrosse coach, like she didn't know anything else. She just knew that was the lifestyle. That was the travel. Like the hours are crazy. And she just knew what she was getting herself into. Your wife knew what she was getting herself into. Yeah. And there's so much to be said for marrying well and, uh, having someone who, uh, you know, they understand your business model and where you need to be and when you need to be there. And they don't resent that. They appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a team effort. Excellent. I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, to plug whatever you want to plug, whether it's one of your sponsors, obviously the new video, you got to swim, which is out today. Go to cooperwade.com. Check it out. What else you got going on? You get your hands Man, just, on kinds uh, of stuff. Yeah, just just follow us on social media. You know, be part of what we do. Um, you know, I, I hope that I'm way more than just some country guy that writes songs. You know, I really want to try to influence people and and be a positive light in, in, in a dark world sometimes. Um, yeah. So yeah, just jump jump on our, our social media pages. Usually, it's Cooper Wade Music, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, whatever. You know, Instagram. Cooper Wade Music is usually our our, uh, our channel. So just jump on. You're gonna find. You'll find some political stuff. You'll find some, you know, COVID stuff. You'll find some just funny stuff. You'll see stuff about me and my kids. And then there's also music because that's part of who I am. It's not all that I am. It's part of who I am. Um, but yeah, YouTube, our YouTube channel, Cooper Wade Music, subscribe to it. Uh, we put a lot of videos on this. Some of them are professionally done. Some of them are just me at the piano here in my, you know, in my, in my music room or, you know, me and my kids, just whatever. So um, I am just like everybody else. I am a husband and a dad and I'm trying to pay bills and, you know, I just yep. happen to do this cool job that sometimes I get to be on stage with these cool lights 
you know, and I get to yeah. travel and do fun stuff. Otherwise, dude, most of the time I'm just a normal guy. When I was single, I would have girls come up. Oh, I love you. I love you. I'm like, no, no, no. Listen here, sweetie. You love the guy that's on stage. Okay. And that's me about eight hours out of the week, out of a whole week. I'm that guy like eight hours. The rest of the time, I leave my dirty socks on the floor. I leave dirty dishes in the sink. Sometimes I don't put the lid down, okay? I mean, all this this is who I am, okay? That's not who I am. So on my social media, you're going to see who I am. I am not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But man, come along for the ride because it's it's a lot of fun. So yeah, come, think, come uh, join us. I'm a little biased. You know, we connected via Twitter. But I think right. your Twitter account, what I love about that is uh, there's life wisdom in your 140 characters or 280 or however many were allowed this week on Twitter. Right. Uh, but it's life wisdom. It's like a slice of life, what you're doing in the moment that day. It's also, you know, music. You're promoting other people, other things. You know, uh, everything we just talked about, Cooper walks the talk. And when you go to his socials, you'll see that. You know, the guy's real. He's authentic. And uh, it just makes you want to get behind him and root for him. So go check out the video. You got to swim, purchase the music, and follow the man. Appreciate you, brother. Last thing. I always ask this. Uh, I'll I'll start by saying, you know, uh, of all the people I've interviewed, of all my guests, you're my favorite. Uh, I say that to all of them, but this time I mean it. Right. But what did I forget to ask you that I should have and didn't? Hmm, gosh. I'm an open book, man. I, I talk about anything. So, uh, Anything you wanted me to ask that you wish I would have said so you could have answered a certain way or a certain thing? I don't think so, man. I think you, you pretty much knocked it out of the park. Okay. So uh, since you didn't really have a question, I'll leave it at this. Uh, uh, besides being strikingly handsome and having rugged good looks and a gorgeous ah. beard, um, the other thing that we both have in common, folks, is uh, he's got a male black lab and a female yellow lab. I have a male black lab and a female yellow lab. So there's that. That's we didn't right. talk about our dogs. Talked about that we, before we started recording. But we didn't realize we were actually brothers separated at birth. Did we just become best friends or what? We did. Let's go we do did. karate in the garage. If I told you you're incredibly handsome, man, John, I just, want, I just want to throw that out there. You know, the beard. I know your wife doesn't like your beard. My wife doesn't really like my beard. So we, we were just meant to be. Yeah, we are uh, kindred spirits, folks. So check out Absolutely. Cooper and uh, enjoy the video. It's... Uh, it is a metaphor for life. I think you're going to love it, folks. Cooper, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Coach Brew. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Y'all have a great day. God bless, and we'll see you soon. CooperWade.com.